Hello and welcome to another episode of Unstuck with Hypnopunk Transformation with Edge. Today's episode is going to be focused around forensic hypnosis, hypnosis in the legal system and uh, how it has helped to convict criminals and help victims. So we're going to be addressing that today. It's going to be a very, very interesting show. As always, I'd like to thank everybody out there who has left five-star reviews on iTunes, on YouTube, on Spotify, on Google+, however you listen to me. Totally appreciate that. That's the only way that I know that you enjoy what I'm putting out there to you for free each and every week. And it motivates me to continue to put out this content there for you to improve your life, to make it better, to take it to the next level, all free of charge. So please continue to do that. And as always, to sweeten the deal, I'd like to offer you what we call a 30-minute power session. It can be over Skype, it can be over iMessage, anything like that. And it's 30 minutes with me. Let me tell you what it isn't to begin with. It is not a therapy session. It is not your opportunity to hemorrhage over me for 30 minutes or hemorrhage over me, should I say, for 30 minutes. Uh, it's an opportunity to think about a light, part of your life which is a little stuck that you'd like to become unstuck to propel you to the next level in your life be that in health be that in your career be that in your relationships if you'd like one of those sessions with me again it's not therapy it's not hypnosis it's just direct questioning to help to get you unstuck and take to the next level then leave that five star review um, along with some text on however you listen to us iTunes YouTube on Spotify on Google Play and then just send me a screenshot of that and then we will book your power session cheap plug out of the way that being said it's good to be back i have been on a four week hiatus and i am back now with a ton of really great shows going forward in the next um, few weeks coming up in the upcoming calendar of podcasts of unstuck episodes coming your way are going to be podcast on the matrix part two you may remember i did a very popular episode um early back i can't remember exactly what number but we've got a follow-up to that we're going to do a whole podcast on memory and why it's not what you think it is a whole podcast on allergies how they are essentially just a phobia of the immune system and how you can easily get rid of the symptoms from allergies a whole podcast on the hero's journey which is the narrative of everything every story you've ever read or movie you've ever watched from the lord of the rings to harry potter to star wars to the matrix we're going to have a whole episode on archetypes Jungian archetypes warrior king and so forth to find out what you are and how you can use uh, Jungian archetypes to help to propel you to the next level and understand yourself uh, one on critical thinking in this uh, time and age of fake news and not knowing quite who to believe uh, we're going to teach you how to think critically about news about any information coming from any source and if it is indeed true a uh, whole episode maybe a couple of episodes actually on tangible hypnotic facts on raw data on how successful hypnosis has been on various psychological and physical ailments all that to come over the next couple of months so please leave your comments however you listen to this and tell me what are you most excited about listening to coming up so back on to today's podcast which is forensic hypnosis so a lot of the information presented here today comes from inspector mark howe he is a retired 
Texas policeman who has done an awful lot of the research in forensic hypnosis, using them in many, many cases and certifying um, police personnel and other hypnotists to use these various techniques. And also on the work of Martin Reiser, who published in 1980 the Handbook of Investigative Hypnosis. You can still find that out there. Uh, it may cost you a pretty penny. The use of hypnosis and its extensive news media coverage really stem from the coverage of the kidnapping of 26 school children and a bus driver. This happened on July 25th, 1976 in uh, America, in the United States, uh, specifically in California, in a town called Chowchilla. All occupants were buried alive underground. After the bus driver and the children dug their way out of the makeshift grave and contacted law enforcement authorities, it was decided that hypnosis would be used for memory enhancement to develop investigative leads. Dr. William S. Kroger, a clinical professor from the University of California, a leading authority on hypnosis, conducted the session on Frank Edward Ray, the 55-year-old bus driver, and retrieved all the digits except one on the license plate of the vehicle used in the kidnapping. As a result, the information developed and discovered through the use of hypnosis an investigation of leads, three suspects were arrested and convicted of kidnapping the students and the bus driver. From July 1st, 1980 through December 31st, 1990, 1,187 hypnosis sessions were conducted by the DPS investigators, which stands for the Department of Public Safety resulting in an additional information reported in 876 of the sessions. That's a 73.80% and no additional information in 311 sessions, which is 26.20%. The additional information gained in the 876 of the hypnosis interviewed varied from minimum information in some cases to additional information which led to the identification and arrest of the perpetrator. The cases in which hypnosis was used included a wide variety of offences such as hit and run, traffic, fatalities, rapes, assaults, robberies, kidnappings and even murders. The DPS stresses that hypnosis should be used as an aid to investigations, not a substitute. Investigators have been cautioned to assume the standard investigative methods that have been fully utilised before hypnosis is used. So let's look at that stat, folks. That's almost 75% in this study of the time that hypnosis was used additional information be that to retrieve small information or big information 
75% of the time when hypnosis was used, information that helped the cases was able to be retrieved. That's quite an extraordinary figure. Does that mean that information is, excuse me, that hypnosis is a magic bullet for retrieving perfect information all the time? No. It's clear about 25% of the time it doesn't affect. But 75% of the time, you're, they're getting some information. We're getting some information which is very, very important indeed. Specifically, the Texas courts have upheld convictions where hypnosis was used with either a crime victim or witness for the purposes of memory enhancement and specifically that one of the cases was Vesta V's State which was uh, 713S.WSN920 again a lot of these facts and figures are on Mark Howe's website stating this if you want to do your research many police officers prosecutors and civilians have limited understanding about what occurs during an investigative hypnosis interview to refresh recall of a witness or victim of a crime event. It is hoped that the profile and brief explanation, which I'm going to give you in a moment, which, which is going to tell you what occurs during an investigative hypnosis interview will provide a better understanding of the components of this type of interview. The profile consists of the pre-hypnosis interview, the induction, the information eliciting, dehypnotizing, and the post-hypnosis interview, of which the most important part of the process, at least for retrieving the information once the frames have been set, so to speak, is the information elicitating. The various information eliciting techniques are designed to permit the victim witness to recall forgotten or repressed information if he or she is willing to and able to have such recall. A side point there, barring um, some kind of very deep neurological damage, i.e. brain damage, it is possible to retrieve information in many, many people. However, we must also understand that our understanding in memory is, of memory should I say, has changed uh, with the advent of neuroscience. It was believed by many for a long time, and I'll hold my hand up to this, that our memory was essentially like a video recorder that was recording everything that happened, so we'd see it, that we'd hear it, and when we'd access a memory, we'd really be accessing facts figures raw data but the more neuroscience tells us now in studies is every time we access a memory we change it somewhat at least unconsciously it's what neuroscientists called memory reconsideration basically every time you pick up a memory you put it back in your mind somewhere else and you adapt it you change it so an example is if you had a memory a hundred times you mem you had that memory and you record it a hundred times you've changed it a hundred ways if you've had it a thousand times you've changed it a thousand times ten thousand times you get the point now that doesn't mean that on the tenth thousand recall of that memory the elements are not still the same or very very similar to what actually happened. Principal characters may be there, uh, country, origin, a similar scenario. But every time we access it we're changing it in some form or fashion.
to use a neuro-linguistic programming frame, the map is not the territory. So we can't always trust our memories. Now, some of the information used to retrieve memories for forensic hypnosis could be the movie theater technique, the calendar technique, idiomotor finger signals, um, blackboard techniques, automatic writing, uh, an artist composite sketch, traditional regression, and all these techniques are indeed designed to regress the person back in time so they for the purpose of mentally reviewing the circumstances while experiencing a feeling detachment these techniques are used to separate the event and the mental review process by time as as well documented that tensions anxieties and traumas have a negative effect on recall and interrupt memories there's also been in my experience however to counter that is sometimes by eliciting the emotion a blit it may be framed as negative is sometimes the easiest way to access that memory because all memories on some level are state dependent however there is a great quote that says a true wise person is someone that can have the memory but all the emotion has been removed which would always be the case in forensic hypnosis therapeutic it would be a little bit different as just mentioned it is important that the hypnotist use neutral non-leading questions allowing the person to report in free narrative recall and use compound or zeroing in questions for specific details an example of this would be if the witness victim tells the hypnotist that the suspect has a mustache why mentally recalling the characteristics of the perpetrator's face the hypnotist may then ask the witness to describe the mustache and then if it is thin medium or thick now part of the memory retrieval process is getting the client or victim to use the legal term is to get them to mentally review the sequences of events without verbalizing the information to the hypnotist the witness victim should be told to let the hypnotist know that the mental review process is completed with a finger signal then it is the hypnotist's job to ask the witness victim to translate their visual auditory or kinesthetic olfactory or gustatory memories into words as they mentally review the sequences of events for the second time the hypnotist will then ask zeroing in questions, neutral as mentioned before, non-leading questions and compound types of questions to clarify the information provided, i.e. starting with the general and then get into the more specific. The first documented attempted use of hypnosis in the criminal justice system dates back to the mid 1800s and the second documented effort was in 1894 in Cornell 
the Superior Court of San Diego County, May 1959, the attorney for the defendant charged with murder petitioned the court to require the court and sheriff to allow his client to be examined by a hypnotist in preparing his defense. On September 8, 1980, Carl Weathers Texas Department of Public Safety Services conducted a forensic hypnosis interview with Jerry Magonese Jr. for the purpose of refreshing his memory in an effort to develop a composite sketch of the suspect in the unsolved Vizard murder which occurred on July 23rd 1967 the forensic hypnosis interview was 13 years after the murder a forensic artist Arthur Doucette present during the hypnosis session drew a composite sketch of the man behind the counter described by Marganes Jr who also picked Robert Zaney out of a photo lineup shown to him by Austin Police Detective Paul Ruiz after the hypnosis was concluded. Jerry Margones Jr. and his father had purchased some food items in the Austin Town and Country Convenience Store on the morning of Sunday, July 24. 1967 and observed the man behind the counter who waited on them. Shortly after the crime, Margones Jr. and Sr. were interviewed by the Austin Police Department, the APD, related to the murder investigation. Margones Jr. and Sr. had visited this particular convenience store each morning for several days to purchase food items to take to the construction job site where they were working. They advised the APD investigator that on the Sunday morning in question, the person who had waited on them at the town and country convenience store had not been the same person who had waited on them the previous days. They provided a vague description of the person who waited on them the day of the murder. September 20. 5th 1980 Robert Zaney was indicted of the murder of George Vizard on July 23rd 1967 Zaney had previously been arrested on March 28 1980 after using stolen credit cards to rent a motel room in Austin Texas Zaney was being held in the Travis County Jail on credit card charges. A subsequent investigation by the Austin Police Department resulted in the recovery of a Ruger period 357 Magnum Black Hawk revolver identified by the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms Trace as having been purchased by Zaney at Oshman's Sporting Store in Austin. Texas, July 22nd, 1966, one year prior to the murder of George Vizard, and the revolver was a right eight, consistent with the murder weapon. Moreover, Zaney's fingerprints were identified on the counter of the Austin Town and Country Convenience Store 
the morning of the Vizard murder. A former employee of the convenience store, Zaini knew how to operate the cash register and the combination to the floor safe concealed under a rubber mat behind the store counter. Defence attorney Robert Greenwood, who considered himself somewhat of an expert on hypnosis, and Patrick Gain served as the defence counsel for Zaney during his trial in Travis County, Texas. Robert Garver, a San Antonio psychologist, was used by Greenwood as a rebuttal witness to the attack and the credibility of the police officers using hypnotists. On March 18, 1981, Robert Zaney was convicted of by a jury of the murder of George Vissard and subsequently sentenced to imprisonment of 99 years in the Texas Department of Correctness or Corrections. His conviction was appealed by Zaney through the Texas judicial system and ultimately affirmed by the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals. Were it not for the tenacity and commitment of the Austin Police Department detective Paul Ruiz and Martin Martinez and the Travis County Assistant District Attorney Joseph Maddog Turner, the case against Robert Zaney may not have resulted in a conviction for the murder of George Vissard. Now, as you can see, there are many, many other cases that, again, you can research on Mark Howe's website um, of just some of the cases where hypnosis has been used to convict somebody of a crime or at least retrieve some of that information that resulted in a conviction. Now, hypnotically refreshed recall standing alone without corroboration is insufficient for an arrest or indictment when using hypnosis to refresh memory you may get correct information incorrect information or a combination of both for that reason corroboration is needed to support the reliability of the information obtained through hypnosis retrieving incorrect information from the witness or victim is not a hypnosis issue because police officers using standard interview techniques get incorrect information from witnesses who may be confused with no hypnosis involved. There are basically four reasons where the use of hypnosis with a witness or victim has been thrown out of court. They are one, the person, police officers or mental health individual was incompetent in the proper procedures of forensic applications of hypnosis. Two, the use of hypnosis in a case where it was not warranted based on the circumstances. Three, the blatant use of unacceptable questioning techniques, i.e. leading questions. Four, the prosecutors didn't put a rebuttal witness on the defense expert. In America now, in all 50 states, under the correct circumstances, hypnosis is admittable in court. Now, I don't know where you are listening to this podcast from, and you may need to check your country, your city, your province if you're in Canada, to check the legal ramifications of using forensic hypnosis in court. But the fact of the matter is, it still remains a very, very useful and proven way, perhaps almost more than anything else, to retrieve 
information that has helped people and caused the bad guys to be sentenced and serve time. So I hope you've enjoyed the information I've put forward on forensic hypnosis today. And as always, don't take my word for it. Do your research. Make your own mind up about it. But not just based on theory. Use this. Use it in your life. Even more importantly, if you are a hypnotist and you are working with people with memory, memory retrieval, it is imperative that you teach people, as I hopefully have here today, that your memory is not always fact. In fact, hardly ever is it fact. Elements will, of course, be the same, but the map is not the territory. To quote the neurolinguistic NLP pre-frame. And I've put together a special fact sheet which is entitled the top five ways to retrieve information. If you would like a copy of that fact sheet, then fire me over a email at mal at luknosis.com. Mal, M-A-I-L at luknosis, L-U-K-E-N-O-S-I-S.com. And let me know that you would like a copy of the top five ways to retrieve memories. As always, I have been Hypnopunk. This has been another episode of Unstuck Transformation with Edge. Always believe.